Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Uh, enthralling match that we've just watched. And I uh, think we got the prediction right that it would be a different kind of beast to the game against uh, Vietnam. Four points from the first two matches in the 2023 World Cup for the U.S. women. They draw in the 2019 World Cup final rematch against the Netherlands, uh, who you're right, were a, obviously, I mean, they're top 10 in the world. They were in, like I just said, the last uh, Women's World Cup final. We knew that this would be a far more difficult task for the U.S. women, and that that's precisely yeah. how it played out. Now, having said that, uh, I think that there were positives that the U.S. could take away from this. We're going to get into all that. We'll get into some of the the things that came from this game that maybe you and certainly I have questions about. Uh, players that stood out, all the things. We'll, we'll we'll break this one down with it with a fine tooth comb, as they say. Also on this podcast tonight, we'll get into a little bit of the Mbappe stuff from the past few days as that continues to play out. That is re- that story is really taking its time. That Mbappe story. Um, well, it's not the saga we expected, is is it? Like if you'd ask us a year ago, it would have been well. This guy probably realizes Messi's on his way. Neymar's not worked out. He's kind of stuck there as the years tick on in his career and he moves into the the majorly, what should be the majorly successful part of his year, the peak years. And we thought it would be some massive battle uh, between him, uh, the Qatari ownership, and uh, Real Madrid. But it's not yet anyway. Well, we'll that get may- into that. There is a battle being waged. I just don't know if it's the if it's exactly between who you were are, are suggesting. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, some of the fallout from Wrexham's win over Manchester United, although that doesn't seem to be the big story to come out of it. So there's a lot, lot to do here. Oh, by the way, Lionel Messi scored two goals and provided an assist in his second game 
with Inter Miami. So we'll talk about that too. There's a lot happening right now in the world of soccer, but we are here tonight to recap the U.S. women and their 1-1 draw against the Dutch. Um, just some some thoughts right out of the gate. We we are only, I mean, the game literally just ended. We're just sitting down now um, with it still fresh in our minds. I would say this performance from the U.S. was fine. It I can't quite get to the place where I'd say that this is good, that this is the best version of them. Um, no. By the same token, I know a lot of people are are mad about certain elements of this game, and as am I, which we'll talk about in a sec, but I'm trying to stay with the, the good stuff first. I, I can't sit here, like, I, I won't tell you that I thought it was a really good performance, because I didn't, I don't think that. By the same token, though, you know, like we, if we're going to sit here all week leading up to this game saying this is one of the, you know, Rob, what did Rob Stone say about it beforehand? It's one of the biggest group stage matches in history. <laughs> I mean, maybe that was hyperbolic, but it paints a little bit of the picture of, of, of what this game was with the the two teams who met in the last World Cup final. So if we're going to talk about the Dutch in that sort of light, and then you see the U.S. outshoot them 18 to 5, only one shot on target for the Dutch. You saw the way this game turned in the second half for the U.S. Um, so by that token, I won't sit here and say that it was a bad performance either. Like I said, I'll, I'll stand on kind of what I just said before. This was this was fine from the U.S. Um, I think so. I think there's moments where you're like, ah, that was good. Uh, there's things in this side that you saw, like, I think from sh- a sheer physicality standpoint, although the Dutch did put themselves around, from sheer physicality and athleticism, uh, the US, were, I think, are ahead, and they're ahead of most teams in those regards. The concerning things were that first half in general. Um, and I think... The ability for the Dutch, when they got into their purple patch, when they got into their rhythm, for them to be able to keep the ball in midfield, create little triangles, and work the US, those would be concerning things. I think the second half, the change that was made, and I'm not crushing him. I see a lot of people on Twitter going, look at the depth we have. Why not make, why why has he only made one substitution? Well, I, I no. See, I have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. I think um, I think he was right. Uh, Vlako said after the game, Vlako Andonovsky, the US uh, manager, he said, look, we were in a rhythm. We, we, we'd, we'd established patterns. And Rose Lavelle had made a difference, as she often does. And so why do you want to disrupt that? And I tend to agree with that. Um, there is a compulsion amongst people, and I felt it myself, we got this guy in the, you know, it's not, we're not, we haven't scored. We got this guy in the bench, get this guy in. But when you're establishing dominance in the way that they did in the second half and you're in a rhythm, you don't want to upset that. And look, we would be having a completely different conversation if Trinity Rodman didn't drag one past the post. Sure. But, you know, but, um, but she did with, with 15 minutes still remaining. Like there was right, still but, a lot but of, there's game no to guarantees. Be any substitution there in that position oh, makes no. that difference. Obviously just, there's no guarantees, but I like, just, I, I don't, um, I, I would resist that urge. And I mean, I, I used to be the one that used to get annoyed with Pep Guardiola for not making, making those substitutions. So maybe people say, ah, you've changed your tune on that. But I, you know, I, I do feel they were in a rhythm. I didn't see an absolute pressing need. This player is getting, the, the player that was getting frustrated, that was getting rinsed in midfield, that was struggling, I felt was taken off um, in, in DeMello and Lavelle came in. I thought that was the right change to make. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this game. You can. Well, let's hold on. Let's just stay with the substitution thing because I think a lot of people are going to latch on to that. All right. Okay. I, well, I, I you do go think... ahead, Andrew. You sound I... off. As well, I do think <laughs> I respect your, your viewpoint on it. Your viewpoint is actually Vladko's, uh, what he said after the game. Um, yes. You're I, kind and of, when you're... he said it, I agreed with him. I see that because you've kind of recited what he said almost word for word. And I no, know but he was right. Of... He was right. I, didn't, well, I don't I... think he was, though, because, well, I mean, you mentioned the Trinity Rodman chance. He doesn't respect you, by the way. Well, that's fine. He doesn't have to. I, I don't care. Um, but like two things. One, <laughs> we were kind of all in total agreement before the World Cup started. When everybody was asked, what is this team's greatest strength? Yeah. The answer is is almost unanimous in that it's their depth. Well, right. you have five substitutions available to you. Use one at halftime. So now you have done the opposition a favor by neutralizing what we all deem to be this team's greatest strength, which is their depth. Now you can say the U.S. was dominating. Well, that's fine. But there was no end product once again, which would lead me to believe that it's a little bit of tired legs. Is Trinity Rodman putting a ball wide, scuffing a shot because she might be a little bit tired? I think it's certainly possible. But even even if you don't think that, look at look at the way the game had transpired towards the end there over the last 15 minutes. It was all U.S. It was one-way traffic. The Dutch were clearly tired. And even if you think the U.S., if it wasn't totally necessary that they were still fine, maybe that's true, but they weren't 100%. Lynn Williams, bring her off the bench. She's okay. a great goal scorer. 100% fitness, full speed against the team in the Dutch that were reeling. Yeah, you know, Alyssa Thompson, full speed, having a great se- like a great goal scorer, another great player. Like you 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 didn't have the end product at the end of this game and you're up against a team that was clearly tired. They were just defending for their lives as Right, Andrew, but out. like so, then, then so again, like, it was why, why neutralize that? It was it was half a body. I mean, it was I mean, in modern offside parlance it was a lot, but it was only a little bit that had Alex Really, Alex Morgan I know, offside. But, they, but these things, yeah, but they didn't. See. These weren't goals, though. Like you still need it. You're, you're saying all these what ifs. Well, what if this? But none of these things happened, and there was still a lot of time left in the game. So you still needed a goal. Uh, but 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 Andrew, none of these like, what ifs matter. Yeah, but hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's let's circle back a minute. Chances were created. Okay. The patterns of play, the the uh, the movement of Lavelle, the I mean the set piece of Lavelle, the dominance of the team was what created those chances. If you make substitutions, Andrew, you change that again. Okay. For so the better. The, you don't know that. You absolutely well, well then, don't then know no that. Then no team that's controlling a game should ever make a substitution. I mean, that's no, what no, you're no. saying. No, 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 no. If there, if there was, if, if like your point about, um, about if he believed that someone was tired uh, or, or that someone was like, just, just um, was struggling, fair enough. But none of them were tired or struggling. Like they weren't. Um, and I, I kind of, I don't think that's the thing I criticize him for. What I find interesting is that he looked at that Vietnam game and he said, let's do that again. That's what I found interesting. Now, um, is it, is it the classic cliche minutes in the legs for Lavelle? Are we, are we at that point with her? Because it seems to me like she has to start. Well, of course she does. Uh, John the best Muller, version of this team is when she's playing and it's not, well, and it's, that's so obvious. Right. John so, Muller. John Muller tweeted uh, beforehand, I would like to see Rose Lavelle play football in this game, please. And and you have to say that's, that is definitely the case. Um, I know, I, th- I think Flacco addressed what needed to be done at halftime. Look, I th- I do think there's a real danger of this becoming one of those frustrating 
conversations that we have that end up ends up uh, with the animals hammering it out on reddit and telling us why we were both wrong well that's fine they can do that that's what the reddit page is for i don't expect you're okay with it you agree with any of us you're not okay with the substitutions i'm okay with with what happened i'm not okay with the finishing i'm not okay with i i can i ask you something at the best moment for both sides like take the spells that were best for both sides. So the second half spells for the US and the first half spells for the Dutch. Who impressed you more? Probably the US, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think their second half I think their second half to me was more impressive like than the, the Dutch's like the, first half. The Dutch did definitely didn't eke out enough, like we'll say enough shots on goal or or, or, or they only had one. US only had four, really. I mean, the, ultimately, but I just felt in terms of the, like at times the control, like the Dutch, the Dutch possess, the Dutch had more possession than the US in the game, and I know like we're long since that stat does very little for me. I know it does. I know it does. Um, I just felt at times, yeah. I just I'm I, I I think the Dutch. I suppose what I'm trying to say is the Dutch have moved on so much more from that final in 2019. That's what I feel about watching them. I, I, you know, I thought they were that much better. I thought they had that much more, con- more control. Definitely, I think definitely finishing, finishing, and create while well, creating shots is probably an issue too. But we know what the US are like. And again, I mean, uh, as much as I say, well, you know, what if th- this shot from uh, Trinity Rodman goes in, or or Alex Morgan stays onside with her run, pulls her run a bit, and stays onside? You know, what about uh, Bruce's shot that? Um, that uh, I think is is it stopped by Ertz. Um, the Dutch sure. had one beautiful move down that right hand side. Their their best move of the, of the second half by by a long shot. I mean, any other game that's rolling into the back of the net. So yeah, yeah. maybe. I mean, Ertz she did her job. She blocked the shot. I, I thought ultimately the U.S. were probably. I mean, they were they were more threatening in this game. The Dutch. I, I won't disagree that the Dutch were better in the first half. They carved up the U.S. midfield a couple times. Um, that was certainly something to be concerned about. Um, but I don't know for on the balance of the game. I thought the U S I thought the U S's chances were more threatening. I thought the Dutch were kind of defending for their lives for the last 15 minutes or so of this. Sorry, one, yeah. The second to, half trying I, to yeah, hang on. Definitely. Second half. Sure. So um, I don't know. I'll, yeah. The U they're not there yet. The U S are just not there quite yet. I, I would say that there are signs to, like periodically you'll see a, a burst. You'll see a five minute spell. Um, where you can see it, like you, you feel like it's coming together. But ideally, this kind of like Vlatko said after the game, they're a young team that has not played together very much. They're still, I, I think he even used the phrase, "We're still learning each other's runs." Like yeah. this is the kind of stuff that, like, that's I, in concerning. A, in a perfect world, these things you're not figuring this out in the group stage of a World Cup. Like this is what you know all the the tournaments the, the she believes cup is for this is what the the world cup tune-ups are for like i'm a little worried that they're trying to figure this all out that they're trying to feel out what their best 11 is uh or they're trying to feel out how to play alongside one another like the fact that they're doing that in a world cup itself mm. it's not ideal but that's for whether it's through the various injuries that this team is dealing with, the fact that even the players who are there, like Rose Lavelle might be the key to this entire team, but the fact that she can't give them 90 minutes, they're trying to learn how to play with only having her for a half at a time. Now to watch her in the second half, like I'll trust Vladko. I'll trust the U S training staff who actually are, are observing her on a day in day out basis. Uh, they know I don't, but 
I mean, she looks she looks ready to to go to start and to play, you know, 70, 80 minutes. I don't I don't know. But yeah. like they need her. The best the best version of this team is with Rose Lavelle playing. And and when she's out there, she looks fine. She looks like herself. Um, again, I, I they wouldn't be holding her back for no reason. So she just must not fully be there yet. Um, but if we're going to get the best version of this team, it's going to have to be because she is playing more minutes than what she's playing right now. Yeah. Um, I, I saw like he, he went with that front three, uh, Alex Morgan, um, Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman. And I, I, you know, like in that move in the 81st minute, there was like a vindication for, you know, the way you were talking about, they're learning their runs. They're coming together. This is a front three that had, is is literally learning on the job, as we found out. Um, they don't play together. I haven't played together outside of this World Cup. And so, I you know I saw that was a lovely move for that um, for that Robin chance in the eighty first minute. So like it's things like that, like you know you can see what he's trying to do. But as you say, like time is pressing here. You know they're going to get out of the group. We obviously know that. But then you're into, you know, the knockout stages and, and where things get real. And it's just, yeah, I, I'd i have concerns. There's, It's hard to learn on the job in a, in a World Cup. Yeah. Um, I mean, to go all the way back to the early days of this podcast, it's kind of the stuff that we would criticize Jurgen Klinsmann for in group stages of Gold Cups. Oh. Like, this is a World Cup now. Oh, we're Andrew. Doing this. Well, we all know. I mean, you bring to mind straight away. The night in Columbus where we lost 2-1 to Mexico. And uh, me and you were just, we were in the studio watching it. And we were apoplectic because there's a break in play after 20 minutes with the U.S. Where I think the U.S. were 1-0 down. And there's a break in play. And um, Michael Bradley comes over to the sideline. And I remember you saying to me, has he just asked the manager, what are we doing? Wasn't that when and, they went out with a back three? Yes. And, and they'd then... only practiced it. Like on, they played, what was it? A Tuesday, Wednesday or something. And they'd only practiced on the Sunday. Or Monday. Now I'm not saying this is quite to that level. Like this, no. I don't. I don't think that they're experimenting tactically. I think it's just a matter. The idea, wise, it's still, is just, right. It's just that, like, look, we we've we talked about it in our preview for this team. A lot of their success in attack during qual during not qualifying during all their their friendlies, the she believes cup. Like Mal Swanson was a huge part of it. She was scoring goals. Katarina Macario might be the best attacker on this team. They don't have those players that they were relying on for, for so much of pre-World Cup action. So, yeah, they're they're in the feeling out phase right now. And unfortunately, it's, it's occurring in a group stage. Now, like you said, fortunately, this team is probably good enough on, on pure talent and guts alone, which we'll talk about in a sec with Lindsey Horan. Um, but just like the belief of this team that they're no matter what, you can just tell there's a confidence in this group. They went down a goal. They came back. They fought back. They didn't seem to hang their heads. You know, it's not a position that they've been in very often. Uh, I forget the exact stat that they threw out there, but this team in the entirety of the 2019 World Cup didn't trail. Uh, you know, so it was kind of a new, sort of a new adventure for them to go down a goal in a World Cup against a good team. They they fought. They got better. So that's good. I'm glad that they did that. That they showed that they're you know they're not going to shrivel up in in those sorts of moments. That's important. But that's that's how they're trying to get by right now, uh, because you know it's just there's just a lack of familiarity, and you can all see it watching it. I mean, even Alex Morgan before this game, I think she too used the term disjointed. 
in in how it looked. And it still kind of looked like that. Uh, like you said, I think they'll get out of the group. And hopefully by the time they get to the knockout stage, they've kind of fixed some of those issues. But they may not. It may take deep. They might have to keep leaning on this deeper and deeper into the tournament. Uh, it's it's not it's not a thing of beauty right now. This no, it, it's not. And it, it does feel like a lot of different parts. There's like the, the veteran parts. I mean, there's some stuff like you still have to be like, um, like, like when Germa passes the ball or excuse me, Germa passes the ball and moves the ball. <laughs> like she looks great. She looks like a complete thoroughbred in there. Like she knows exactly what she's doing. Um, you know, Lavelle comes in. Oh, I, I think Horan has been great. I really do. I think she's been an absolute warrior. And we'll, we'll speak about the goal and, and everything that that entails as well, um, which is one of those. Somebody tweeted us. and I, I'm sorry, just didn't have it in front of me. Plus, it's late at night. Uh, somebody tweeted me that it reminded them of the um, Trent Alexander-Arnold Xhaka uh, moment from where Arsenal are dominating Liverpool and Liverpool just can't need that spark. And uh, ja- Granit Xhaka gets into an altercation with Trent Alexander-Arnold. Now, that didn't just lift. I mean, that lifted the crowd first and then lifted Liverpool, mm-hmm. whereas it wasn't the same. Um, you could tell by the atmosphere it wasn't quite as febrile uh, in Wellington. But that certainly lifted Lindsay Horan, like directly a shot into her veins. Um, we should probably talk about that straight away. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the two goals. We'll okay. go in order. So we'll start with the Dutch goal. Um, you know, concerning the way that they were able to just kind of carve through the midfield as easily as they did. Now, the goal itself becomes frustrating because it happens in a new phase of play. Now, the Dutch put themselves into attacking position by getting through the U.S. midfield, but then Crystal Dunn does a nice job um, after falling over. Yeah, of kind of clearing it. The best she can now. Her maybe, passing tonight was not great. Um, yeah, and she had a tough assignment, and she was on Danielle Vandedonk for a lot of this game, and that was a real battle, I thought, between those two. Um, but Crystal Dunn, like the Dutch, get themselves into position, and you think that ball is kind of played to the right, and you think, okay, here comes the shot, and it didn't come in. They try to cross it back in. Crystal Dunn clears it, and you think, okay, whew, we 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 survived that. But no, then it's in that second phase of play where the Dutch were so successful in that first half in terms of that second ball, that second chance um, on some U.S. clearances that just weren't quite effective enough. And fittingly, that was where the Dutch goal came from. Perfectly placed, low shot. Alyssa Nair just couldn't quite get to it. Um, Frustrating one for the U.S. to give up because, you know, in watching it in real time, I think a lot of American fans, myself included, watched that and, and thought, oh, okay, we dodged a bullet. Oh, no. Oh, no, we didn't. And we're losing. Um, t- tough one to concede. It was a tough one. And the midfield was was getting frustrated. We saw it later on uh, towards the end of the half with the DeMello um, challenge that was just like hacks down one Dutch midfielder. Pure frustration. I mean, Lika Martins beats Andy Sullivan far too easily. But it's not even that. It's when she beats her, the whole the whole field opens up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that she can charge into it. The, the US defense is retreating. Um to the point where, like I said, Crystal Dunn falls over on the other side. But you're right. There was a chance to clear. They got bodies in the box. There were so many U.S. bodies there that nobody got a block, that nobody got out Was uh, to uh, Rude was really, really frustrating. And the shot, the finish was was very good. And uh, listen there, obviously, unsighted. It was going to be very difficult for her to um, to get to Rude's chance. But, um, yeah, I thought, like... 
It's not like it was coming. Oh, you know, the Dutch are they're they're peppering the goal. No, I thought it was against the run of play, to be honest. No, it I thought was, it, it was that, a little bit at that Dutch... point. But afterwards, the Dutch kind of established a, a a foothold in the game. And that's when I thought they were good and, and they and they passed and moved the ball fairly well, albeit not with the same volume of chance that the US did in the second half. Um but yeah, I mean the it's it's funny. It was a it was a problem. Like there was clearly a numbers problem in midfield. There was clearly a problem just personnel wise. The US weren't sharp enough. The big talking point at halftime about that first half and a, and the goal that was conceded as well from Alexi Lalas and Carly Lloyd was um you know about kind of fight and desire and all those things. And you definitely saw more of a bite in the U.S. in the second half and, and certainly uh, in terms of the goal. So the goal. Yes. Um, it's interesting. I saw a tweet from uh, Ryan Tolmich, who uh, is a writer for Goal.com, and he had interviewed Lindsey Horan before the World Cup. And so after the goal was scored, he went back into his article that he had written to grab this excerpt. Um, and it was Lindsey Horan saying, you get trash talk every single day from Van de Donk, and once we play them, you'll see it. She'll be coming for my ankles like every single play, so watch out for that. It'll be fun. And then he said he finishes it by saying, well, there it was. <laughs> Lindsay Horan, she, the prophecy has come true. I mean, that's the, their teammates in club football. Um, At Leon, I, yeah. I can't tell if they're... If they're friends, I think no. They, I think I think, I think everybody they are. Kept, I kept, they, everybody kept saying it, and um, Jenny Taft kept saying it, and uh, the studio crew were saying it. You know, the two friends going at it. So I just assume they are friends. And yeah. and the way the way Horan spoke about it afterwards was quite dispassionate. She said, um, "What well, it was it was dispassionate and not dispassionate in the same thing." She talked about how they were friends, how she respected her so much as a player, even though that shove in the box didn't didn't. It didn't scream respect, um, but those things happen when you're when you're going up when you're going at it in a game. Um, and she said, "Yeah, I was." She said the words, "Yeah, I was pissed off." Yep. And you know, sometimes that can be just like the great inspiration. And she that run she made was like she was like a runaway train getting to that near post, and the desire to get on the end of it. Now, yeah. just as as the goal scorer um, Lindsay Horan pointed out, it was an absolute dime. From Rose Lavelle, absolute dime. Put it right where you want to do, and just have someone attack it, and it's always going to hit the net. Uh, and so it was. It was brilliant to see it because I do think that we get bogged down um, sometimes. For for it's fun to get bogged down in tactics and personnel and positions and all that thing. And sometimes the game is just about pure, unadulterated. How shall I put this? Just Skill. being being pissed off, being annoyed. Oh, it was her. I mean, Lindsay Horan is is a hundred percent the the Bobby Boucher woman of the match. Yeah. The water boy, the water boy. Yeah, like that was he, he. He'd get angry and he'd kill someone on the field, and like that they made her angry out there, and she just like she saw Van de Donk's face on that ball as it was coming towards her, yeah. and she smashed it into the net. Like I, I remember, it, it was um, such a clear like rage adrenaline rush that she that she had there. I remember Roy Keane um, on on a yellow card accumulation in the Champions League semi final away against in '99 against Juventus, famously in Turin, and he he 
he's played a short pass by Paul Scholes and he flies in and I think he cleans Zinedine Zidane. And uh, this anecdote is just dropping its own names here, by the way. And he 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 realizes he's not going to be in the Champions League final and puts in one of one of the great performances, one of the performances of lore. And he pops up and scores a header to get United back into it, which starts everything. Sometimes there's a just an existential drive, something beyond like just being annoyed. Like we hear so much about the game and it spoke about the beautiful game, my passion, my enjoyment. We hear all that stuff. We don't hear about just pure rage and trying to get one up on someone. Like so much of life is trying to get one up on somebody else. And that was it right there. She felt as if the tackle on the sideline um, humiliated her. I mean, because she's a much bigger figure than um, than Van der Donk. And she got cleaned on the sideline. It was a bit, you know, Van der Donk clearly left something on it. It carried on into the box. She was, she was trash talking. You know, sometimes it's just about getting one up on someone else. I think the fact too, like I just read that excerpt from that article. Uh, the, I think the fact also that she knew it was coming probably adds to the rage. Like when you when you expect someone to be like a a, a d- to you, and you're yeah. just like, I know that guy. I know you walk into a bar and like you see the guy, and you're just like, I know he's gonna say something to me. I Don't. know it, and I'm and I, I'm gonna let loose when he does. Like you just can I ask we've you? All, we've all felt. That oh, kind yeah. of feeling before when you know something's coming and when it does, you're that you're, you're that much angrier. She knew. She knew well, that that's how Van der Donk was going to play her. When's, well, I was going to ask you, when's the last time you walked into a bar? But I won't. I was like, when is the last time you you felt that in your life? When I knew somebody yeah. was going to do something that was going to bother me and then they and they sure enough, they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably happened on this podcast a hundred ah, times. Stop. That's mean. No, that's mean. Stop. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't. I can't quite think of it. I mean, there are certainly like there's different work situations, absolutely, where you come into work one day and you're like, I just I know that this guy is going to do this thing today and it's going to enrage me. And like you can't act that way at work. You got to be like professional and all that. But like, yeah, probably once a week, something like that happens, I would say. I don't know. All to varying degrees. But like the point is, it's relatable. Like when you know it's coming and then it happens, you're even angrier, I think, than if you're surprised sometimes. Um, I, th- I think there's a lot of truth in that. And I think that's what happened. And Lindsey Horan, by the way, I, I should say, too, I- I'm getting on Vladko about his substitutions. I-, I still feel that way. But I'll give him credit for regarding his his de- his captaincy decision. Lindsey Horan, I think, has proven to be a, g- a good selection for that as uh, the co-captain with Alex Morgan. Um you know, she scored in the first game. And then this game, I think the U.S. desperately they needed something. They just needed some kind of lift. And she led them. You know, she got angry. She took a, a big hit, uh, got angry, s- scored the goal that got them back into the game. I think these are the kinds of things that you see. I mean, what was it? You were just telling the story about Roy Keane. Yeah. Like these are what leaders do. You know, they like they they harness that rage and instead of using it to, you know, to smash somebody and get red card and get tossed from a game and lose their heads. Like when Granit Jocko was Arsenal's captain, you know, that's not the right way to lead. This no. is you get angry. And what do you do? You score a goal with that anger. And so props to Lindsay Horan, props to Vladko for choosing her as one of the captains of this team. I think she's been great. I really do. Yeah. Um, last bit that I have, I just wanted to mention this because we're talking about Lindsay Horan, but like you said, that, that all happens there uh, because, you know, Rose Lavelle is just such a special player and she came in and 
the game changed. I mean, she's just that kind of player. And uh, I saw this interaction, which I thought was cool that I wanted to mention. Uh, these are non-Americans. Like we all know in the U.S. here, like the secret's out, if there even was one. Like we all saw what Rose Lavelle did in 2019 and we all fell in love. Uh, and so like, we all know here what kind of player she is, but I don't always know, like, what do they think of some of these American players outside of the U S um, and, and, and you need validation. So, badly oh my you. God, it's it like, you wouldn't believe JJ, uh, especially in this sport in all walks of life, I need validation, but especially in soccer where I have a built in American inferiority complex, but I saw Tarek Panja, who we have so much respect Ooh. for. He tweeted, Rose Lavelle is such a special player for me. The best player in France four years ago. Can't think of a halftime substitute making such an impact, completely different game in the second half. And most of it down to her takes us up several notches. Then responding to that tweet, was Ian Wright, who said 100% change the game, would start her, always looking to move the ball forward. Oh, oh the big guns. Oh, my God. A res- this is a caught offside special guest respectathon. You've got Tarek Panja, who I think, outside of maybe Simon Cooper and obviously because he's famous, Arsene Wenger, are probably in our top most favorite guests. Well, I'm Tarek speaking- Panja was, was, I think, he might be... From like a name perspective, Wenger is going to be tough to beat. Bruce Arena, when we had him on in that yeah. moment, will be tough to beat. Yedlin, right after the World Cup, hopes so. yeah. like we had some bigger names, but he might be our most ever, our most important guest ever because he helped walk us through the chaos of the Super League the day that it happened. And 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 if you can get back and listen to those podcasts, if um if Mickey Mouse hasn't chewed them up and and defecated them all over them. I don't know where I'm going with this, but if he's got rid of those, keep, keep th- going, JJ. Tell the, get out of rake, sort through the fecal matter, the, find the, it, find it, and listen to it because the chat with um, the chat with Tarek around the Super League was so relaxed and nice. So it made like, us for, all smarter too. Uh, yeah, he definitely did. But he's but he's he's great. He's absolutely great. Um, I, but but then to be followed up by Ian Wright, another guest of the pod, a re- more recent guest of the pod, um who we'd wanted on the podcast forever. Like this, these are the doyens of the international media and the English media. Like this means everything to you. Like no disrespect, but say Henry Bushnell said that Lavelle tweeted that about Lavelle. You wouldn't, you would, you would care. You get it. Me, you're talking to the wrong guy. I hold him in an even higher regard. Then no, then Ian Wright and Tarek Panja. Stop. Silly, um, but yeah, that, so yeah, we're back to we're back to American validation on the international stage. I thought, I thought, thought nothing s- better. Yeah, I thought we got rid of all that years ago. I thought we were proud, and we don't need anybody anymore. I mean, I'm proud, but that doesn't mean that I don't need validation to keep that level of pride where it is, desperately. <laughs> um, but no, I I'm kidding right now. Like in this no, I case, know. I don't care what anyone says. Like I've seen Rose Lavelle with my own eyes and she's a total difference maker for this team. And you just hope. Uh, I saw know, her come on the hope- field though. And I remarked to my girlfriend, Darcy, as I always do, she's this pale, thin little thing that runs on. And even her run, when she came on, she was annoyed because it, there was some delay with them getting around the pitch. Actually, it was just right before kickoff. And she was asking where the board was with her number to signal to the ref that she was coming on at halftime. She looked a little bit irked. And if I didn't know better, I would see this. She's she's almost a dainty run onto the field. And you're like, you see like the physicality of, you know, um, Van Donk and you look at uh, Horan and 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 uh, Julie Ertz and these players, and you see her come on and you think, huh, okay, where does she fit into this? She's such a freaking baller. 
It's unbelievable. Like she's absolutely, I'm trying to think in the men's game of another player who doesn't look like they'd be a good player. Do you know what I mean? Like who, who doesn't like, doesn't fit that, that archetype in your brain. I mean, the, those exist in basketball. Like those are the ones that I probably can have the easiest time identifying. Go ahead. I mean, I hate saying it, but like, I don't know, you know, the type, like <laughs> when I see Austin Reeves, like yeah. if I were an opponent, I probably wouldn't be intimidated, but I'd be wrong. He's yeah, really good. Very wrong. You know, yeah. there's, there's guys like that. Like, yeah, I just think know. someone so pale shouldn't be so effective. Well, she's, she's amazing. She's, she's she's great, and they oh, like I said, that if this team is going to recognize its full potential, it doesn't mean that they can't win. Um, but if they're going to be the best version of whatever this team is going to be, then she has to probably be a, a more prominent player for them. And hey, Andrew, maybe this group stage of three games, playing forty five minutes, forty five minutes, forty five minutes, that'll be enough. Maybe she gets an hour against the Portuguese, and then you're, and then she's good to go. Maybe and and maybe that's exactly the right way to play it. Exactly, that it 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 respects the the timeline for recovery from the injury. It respects the um, the load management. It respects the amount of minutes she needs to get to get up to to peak performance. Maybe we, I mean, this group stage is going to be in the rear view so quickly, and and maybe. Maybe she'll be all the better for the limited minutes she's got or the management that she's got. Yeah, perhaps. Maybe, you know, maybe some of that is why we didn't see Megan Rapino tonight. Um, although if that's the case, I would have said save. I honestly, like, but that's that's one for me. I wouldn't have Rapino in a game like that. Like, I just wouldn't. I mean, for, for the number of balls that the U.S. tried to cross, I wouldn't mind having her doing the crossing. I know, but like the Dutch are area time and time again. I know, but I, I like I wouldn't even I would I would be saying if we're crossing the ball that much against the Dutch in the, or that those kind of crosses, then maybe we've got a problem. Maybe she'd deliver a better brand of cross. Yeah, probably. I mean, it felt like I saw a lot of them tonight. But I, don't I know. think she. I'd be worried about her on the break and transition and pay, against the pace of that Dutch um, transition. I'd be worried about all those things. But. We'll, Look, whatever. No, I, yeah, I already said Lynn Williams, Alyssa Thompson. I, I would have liked to have seen at least one of them. Mm-hmm. You've got five subs available to you. One. I know, you said. Halftime. Like, God. Not, it's not good enough. Why don't you it's move not. on with your life? Because there's a 1-1 draw, and I think that that had something to do with it. Um, so, yeah, four points after two matches. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's. Uh, I think they'll be okay. But winning the group now will not. It will not be. I mean, it's it's up for grabs. The U.S. has Portugal, um, whereas the Dutch have Vietnam, who they are sure to beat. Uh, the U.S. I would think will will beat Portugal as well, but um, you know, and, and the U.S. hold an edge in goal difference right now with that plus three to the, the Dutch is plus one. But we'll see how many goals the Dutch are able to get against Vietnam. So we'll see. I, right now, I still tab the U.S. to go on and win this group, but. You know, when this when this all started, we thought maybe that third game against Portugal wouldn't be quite so important. Now, if you want to win this group, it is. They're going to have to go out there and do their job, and hopefully, hopefully this time they'll look a little bit better. You know, maybe maybe they just needed a couple games to really kind of get going. We've seen this before. I mean, I, we've seen um, you know when Spain were so dominant in the men's game in their World Cup run, it wasn't a thing of beauty at the right out of the gate. They lost. Right? Mm. Didn't they lose their first World Cup match? They lost their opener in South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, this this can happen with teams, and and oftentimes some of the great teams, like I believe this U.S. team is, can get by on on talent. Um, 
and then eventually the rest will click later. So we'll see. We'll see how this continues to transpire. It was a fine night. No reason to be upset or or really mad. No reason to be thrilled either. Um, it's uh, it's just one of those games that sometimes you have to get through and route to whatever the bigger goal is. And for this team, the bigger goal is to go on and, and win the whole thing. Uh, you have anything else on this one, JJ? New. No. All right. Except so there you it's go. very windy out there. Very windy. Out in Wellington? Yeah. You could tell. Yeah. Uh, they certainly talked about it a lot. Yeah. Got to uh, talk about the wind. But yeah, Jurgen Klopp loves talking about the wind. Sometimes it's hard for me to wrap my. I have to keep reminding myself that it's winter there. I'll see somebody in a winter hat, and, I'll be, uh, and my my initial instinct is, "What are you doing? It's ninety degrees outside." But it was like, what did they say? It was like fifty something there, yeah. in the fifties or something like that. So, uh, yeah, that's it's interesting, very interesting. New Zealand looks like a beautiful place. I oh, amazing! I have cousins uh, in the uh, in the South Island. I should really go there, shouldn't I? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. What are you doing? I know. Crazy. Uh, All right. Well, let's go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back. A lot of other stuff that we still want to get to here on this podcast tonight. So more caught offside still to come. Don't go anywhere. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Back now on Caught Offside. JJ, you mentioned before uh, in in your way, so descriptively and eloquently, uh, yes. Mick, Mickey Mouse defecating out the remnants of former podcasts. I was I met Mickey uh, a couple days ago. I've returned. I returned late last night. My flight was delayed. Uh, I got home around a little after midnight from the, the, the big trip to Disney. It happened. It's in the past now, which is sad. That's a hard trip to... Like that that's one that you the build up is so much. Yeah. There's a lot there's so much looking forward to to a trip like that when you have young kids and, and it's over now. And there's there's sadness to that. But we met Mickey, it was a big deal. Boy, the look oh. on little kids' faces when they when they meet that guy. It's uh you can't replicate that. It's really little, really cool. Little do they know he's a fascist. <laughs> Jeez. Well, he couldn't have been nicer. <laughs> Um, then, I'm joking. I'm joking. God, we met Mickey. We met Chewbacca, which was pretty neat. Oh, oh, yeah, that's um, cool. I'll say they, they had a great time. They they then. did. Um, my general takeaways from the trip for for anyone out there who who's thinking about it, I'll say this: it's every bit as expensive as what you think it's going to be. They find ways to get your money. They just do. Um, the the Star Wars world, I think it's called like Galaxy's Edge. It's you know, you know me. I like Star Wars. I think it's cool. I've seen the movies. I haven't seen the shows. I haven't seen all of like the other movies. Like I'm that kind the of Mandalorian. Star Wars. Yeah, all that. like I'm that kind of Star Wars fan. I'm not obsessed with it, but I enjoy it. Uh, 
I got to say, this Galaxy's Edge, like Star Wars land that they had there, I'm, I was blown away. Yeah. It was really incredible. Incredible. Um, so, I mean, that was truly amazing. Um, my big takeaways for parents with, with kids. Uh, Jack, seven years old, loved every ride. Took him on Space Mountain. That was a bridge too far. That was a bridge too far. Midway was through it? the ride, I thought he'd be excited, and I heard screaming. I thought that it was like fun screaming, and Tears. then I could tell no, he was he was crying hysterically midway oh, through. Wow! Like he was like it was like the kind of cry when like you're living, like, it's like you're having a nightmare, but you can't wake up from it. Like he was experiencing a nightmare wide awake. It was like that. And when we finally stopped, I, I had to tell him, like what you say to a kid when they're when you're trying to wake him up from a nightmare, like you're okay, it's over, it's over. Like I was literally saying that to him, God. trying to console him. It Did was he vomit? No, no, no. It, it wasn't like that. He wasn't nauseous. He was just scared. It's pitch okay. black. I think right. the pitch blackness of it really frightened him. And finally, the only other thing I'll say, um, Luke, my three, about to be four-year-old, obviously we were always going to bring him on this trip. He is, after all, one of my children. Um, (laughs) But but I did say to my wife before, I said, we'll we'll, we'll bring him, of course. This is, you know, I don't know when we're going to- This is going to be an S show. I was like, but he he can't handle this. He can't handle this. But we'll see. I, I was hoping to be pleasantly surprised. And I can sit here now that it's happened and tell you <laughs> that I was not pleasantly surprised. I was not pleasantly surprised. It was every bit the horror show at times that I thought it was going to be still worth it for the moments of like when he saw Donald Duck. Oh, my God. The scream he let out. You could have heard it. You could have heard it across Florida. Like it, it was so genuine and so fun. Like all those moments made it worth it. But J.J., he went through stretches because it's a combination of just like all the worst ingredients for a recipe of disaster for a three-year-old extreme heat, extreme overstimulation, extreme exhaustion, like all of those things combined into one thing. A three-year-old can't process it. So he'd go through these stretches where he was a monster. He was a human monster. You couldn't talk to him. You couldn't reason with him. Everything was, he'd hit you. He'd yell at you. He would just, that's all it was. You'd go through an hour. This is my dream. (laughs) so like it was it was a lot like i would just say every three-year-old is different but my experience is that a three-year-old can't handle that place and i knew that i knew that going in i think it's amazing that my uh uh please god and his blessed mother my uh my daughter roisin is is in for somber tours of civil war sites (laughs) (laughs) that's what she's in for you're that kind of dad. And, and me taking her to like craft beer bars in various places around this great nation. That's that's what she's got. Like she's got <laughs> and, and and listening to my dreadful emo music on the way home. That's what she's looking forward to. And I ain't taking her to Disney. She can go with her mama. I'm not. There's no chance. That's not there. your. I know you too well. And I know that that ain't for you. No. Uh, and you yeah. and you know it is. And people look at me askance when I say I have never seen a single like I know all the cultural references. It's like buried into the into the zeitgeist. But I don't. I've never seen a full Star Wars film. Never. I, mean, I they're they're fun. Like they're fun movies. It's a good I'm if you saying, like adventure films, you yeah. know, like they're fun. Um what last last bit on this, and then I promise we'll get to the the others, Mbappe, Messi, all that stuff. But I, I need your help and the help of our listeners. Sometimes oh I require this. So one of the things that Luke was doing in his lashing out. Oh no. Let me rewind a little bit. Punching you in the uh, nuts? No, 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 no. Jack has a friend who uses 
horrible language. Mm-hmm. Luke is around it. Good. And he hears it. Good. And he's now taken those words. Like sometimes a kid will say a, a bad word and the parents will look at each other and be like, are you saying that? No. Oh. Well, are you? No. And there's a mystery as to where it's coming from. This is a situation where there is no mystery. We all know the source. Of what it. level? Okay. He's saying, if... shut up. He's saying, shut up a lot. Oh, that's not that bad. That's uh, fine. Coming from a three-year-old? That's fine. A three-year-old cannot be saying, shut up. Oh, my no, God. But, but he doesn't know how to say it. So, like, he, when he was getting angry and lashing out like this, he would just, he would tell people to shut up, or he'll just say, like, you're shut up. Like, he just knows it's a bad word. You're shut up. Like, that, like, he just, that's how he lashes out. He's in, it's improv. And it's embarrassing because people are around and a three-year-old is telling the parents to shut up. Yeah, it's not so great. It's it's a horrible look. He can't do it. So here's where I need your help because uh-huh. I've tried everything. I don't know what to do. So you and the animals out there who have children that you've dealt with similar situations like this, do you ignore it and eventually it just goes away because you stop reacting to it? Or does it need to be called out and, and reprimanded each time to hammer home that it's wrong? I and I'm saying this. I don't know. I've tried both. I don't know. And so I, I'm at a point now of desperation where I need help because I can't have my three year old telling me to shut up anymore. I mean, for me, this level of humiliation for you is just uh, I, I can't believe it. It's it's a dream world. Um, okay, obviously, you've come to the right place. <laughs> I am a dad of eight weeks of a nonverbal child. So, so this what is would you, what would you do? I'm giving you carte blanche oh. to parent for me, which oh. usually is a thing that I hate, but I'm asking for help now. I I I think you need to create a martial law situation. Okay. So so when it happens, however minor you feel it is, if it's not in public, if it's in the kitchen, if it's in the living room, it's immediately punished and consequenced. Immediately. Okay. Shut down. Zero tolerance. We are we are shutting this city down between the hours. No, I mean it. Like it has to be done that way like uh-huh. with a ferocity that i That's worry a hard thing to do in disney world when you're surrounded by a lot of people no but now you're back in andy world that's a good point and now now you're, you're back in your rules, domain grandma. yeah and you can you run this town so <laughs> you 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 have to yeah you've got it's got to be iron fist stuff really really uh every example from history i'm thinking of right now would offend somebody of listeners that i'm thinking of so i don't i don't want to say give a historical example but you've got to be ruthless i mean the minute he says shut up right luke whatever he's doing playing with wanting to do boom it's over it's gone into a timeout scenario and i mean i mean guantanamo bay abu garib scenarios hmm. is that appropriate not appropriate references. I apologize for them immediately. I will now go on a journey to discover why those are wrong to say. But anyway, um, yeah, we like, I mean, solitary confinement. Okay. All right. That's yeah, JJ's advice. It has to be. Has to be. If the animals have advice, I know a lot of you out there have young children. I've heard from many of you on, on many different instances. I need help here. They don't have, they, no disrespect, they don't have a young Luke. <laughs> I'm trying to eat a lovely meal prepared by your wife. And he's hawking footballs at me. Yeah, yeah, he's got quite an arm. Um, JJ, let, let's keep going here. Mbappe, 
Mbappe. Yeah. So the, the saga continues. Um, the, the the brief Cliff Notes version for those that have kind of checked out a little bit. He's got no interest. Saudi Arabia has reached out. Uh, they want him. Obviously, uh, he was offered an obscene amount of money. I've seen varying oh. reports, but for the most part, you're seeing over seven hundred million dollars for one season. Um, it, he has he's not even entertaining it. He won't even take the meeting. I think it's with Al Halal. Um, he won't even take the meeting. Well, it's a meeting with the PIF. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. I guess whichever club it is, you're right. Like we all know essentially who it is that he's meeting yeah. with. But representatives of a certain club, I think it's Al Halal. Um, they're trying to get him over. It, it's an uh, it's just it's an it's an unbelievable amount of money to say no to. Um, so I guess I what I guess I don't know if it's on principle I, I don't know what his reasons are exactly well, I, I would say his reasons are he's not going to torpedo a year or even a, a multiple years of the peak years of his career to do this well it would be one year it would be one season but it would be it would be tantamount it would be a mistake to take himself out of top level football out of the european bowl to play in that league for a year absolute mistake also um I think I still think that the 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 Mbappe crew are are trying to work an angle to get to Real Madrid as soon as possible. So this uh, is this is the part that's interesting. Is is the I mean the Real Madrid thing is just it's just hanging out there and and we all know it. PSG are of the belief that he has a pre-agreement with them that he will play out this final year of his contract mm-hmm. and he will then be able to sign with them on a free, which will allow him to recoup more money in wages. Um, ESPN, there, there was a, a story right now, uh, sources told ESPN that, that should Mbappe go to Real Madrid on a free transfer next summer, he would potentially get a hundred million euro uh, signing fee. Um, also an 80, he's also due an 80 million euro bonus from PSG this September. Should he still be with them? A loyalty bonus for seeing out his contract. They must be sickened that that's kind of, that it's termed a loyalty bonus because he's using the way he's using it against them right now. in these transfer dealings is hilarious. It's, it's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying what's right or wrong, but it's kind of the opposite of, of the idea and spirit of loyalty. Um, Now, one other thing. So part of this, like I, I am, I am fully of the belief that he, Everything that's happening here is just him trying to angle his way to Real Madrid. Like that's what that's where all of this is heading. Yeah, everyone is aware of that. Um, but JJ, I do love so very much when the politicians get involved. I know that it's oh. one of your favorite things when they find a way to insert themselves into a story. So the, and they always do. Yes, they do. Even when they know absolutely nothing about what's going on, they still feel the need to have an opinion. Oh my uh, and God. that is precisely what has happened here with the mayor of Paris, Anne Hidalgo. She was on a, uh, a radio station and spoke about the Mbappe situation. She said, I don't understand what PSG are playing at. Kylian Mbappe is the best player in the world. I'll admit that I don't understand it at all. Oh, Killian, is an, Killian is an extraordinary player, and we have to keep him in Paris. I think it's also his wish to remain here as long as possible. The question is, what are PSG doing? So I'm trying to figure out, is this the sentiment of Parisians, or is this just her? She says in the midst of that she doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah, Maybe, maybe she always... should have just stopped there, yeah. but she continued forward. Uh, is public... Is public sentiment among PSG fans, is it pro-Mbappe 
and anti the club and and the club hierarchy because i mean look i am in in most instances i do try to come down on the player side i do like i, I and we'll talk about you know my thoughts on billionaires later in the tottenham portion of the show with what they're dealing with but like i think players have a limited window to exercise their full financial weight and might and when you have a player as good as killing mbappe i understand him wanting to do what's in his own best interest but if i were a fan of the club i don't know how you're pro mbappe here he's doing he he's doing everything in his power to leave your club and make sure that he can do so without the club receiving anything in return so he can receive the full financial value that he wants from Real Madrid. Like what John Barnes talked to us about all those years ago when we had him in studio, JJ. Remember, he gave us a whole lesson on how the best thing, if a, every player should allow their contract to run down to zero because then they have the power to go where they want and they can make all the extra money because teams don't have to pay their transfer fee. And Mbappe is doing the John Barnes method here to a T. He doesn't want PSG to recoup anything. He's the best player in the world. Uh, are PSG fans not seeing this? How are they? How can you be like, I don't blame Mbappe. That's not what I'm saying. But if I were mm. a PSG fan, I don't know how you'd be pro Mbappe in this situation. I'd love to hear from our listeners that are PSG fans. I know we've got a few, not many, but we have a few. Um, traditionally, the PSG fans have taken against the players. They took against Messi. They took against Neymar. They took against uh, several different players over the past 10, 12 years. They're ultras half. Is Mbappe different, though, because he's the best French player? He's the hometown boy, born in the 19th arrondissement. So he doesn't get the same kind of kind of abuse. Um, but I, but again, I, I, need, I haven't been on the PSG Twitter or PSG fanzines uh, checking this, this sentiment out. The thing for me is, like... Mbappe has also stumbled into like a diplomatic conflict. So the Qatari government owns PSG and the Saudi Arabian government obviously own Al-Halal and every other club. So you've got this scenario where he's kind of wading into um, something that was described, I think, um, what was I reading about today? Like It's like a cold war between the two. Um, and we saw, well, didn't we see that... Um, uh, where BN Sports were, um, were, were uh, you know, obviously they're Qatari-owned, Qatari government-owned, and that they were being pirated by an operation that was working out of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> you know, and that was a huge problem for Champions League coverage and Premier League coverage, uh, that Saudi Arabia were running this piracy um, uh, ring or, or, or system. Network, yeah. yeah. Excuse me. So, so there we, there we go. Um, I don't, I don't know how that works out. No, I like PSG accepted the the bid. Obviously, I think. I mean, whatever that Cold War is, PSG would be thrilled. I think to recoup to, to sell him off for over what, what was it going to be three hundred and fifty million? I see. I don't know. To, like, I think they probably send him to it. essentially football Siberia right now, yeah. although it's really not with the, the high profile players that are it going. Kind of still you is, you know though. what I mean? It, it right, is for it's not, him. It's not a team that they wouldn't see him in the Champions League. They wouldn't have to face him. No, and Alan sent Maximum going and guys like that going there. As big as we, a Jordan Henderson, as big as we think those moves are, they're not Killian Mbappe for God's sake. Like no one. I mean, right now it's him and Messi have that weight. I think mm. in terms of what they mean to the sport right now. So. um so I, I don't really know what happens here. I'd say he plays his final season in Paris. I, I just think that happens. Well, they've said they won't play him. Yeah. They want to punish him. 
because they believe that there's this pre-agreement with Real Madrid and they're they're angry about it. They Again, want to we'll sell see, him now. We'll see how that goes with the fans. We'll see what the real politic of that of that decision might be. Um I just I just don't even for a year, I just don't see him doing that. I don't is either. It, is it wrong that I see him in an age of footballers and an age of footballers like who are drenched in money and cash and opportunity that I see him in the way he wants to be at Real Madrid to fulfill a boyhood ambition and that he has this absolute love for the club and what the club is means so much to him that I see him as like a like a young kind of football like not not proper football man that's not the term but like a real football person like I've always kind of looked at him that way and and I I always thought that he would have been kind of looking at Neymar beside him and thinking, buddy, whatever you're doing, I'm not doing that because that's the wrong way to live, the wrong way to go about it. He just seems like a football purist. That's the word. And I think if you have that knowledge of of the European game and love of it and 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 the willingness to play for someone as big as Real Madrid, you're not going to sully even for a year. The best one of the best years of your career to go to Saudi Arabia. That's well, then, my gut. Then why did he? Why did he stay at PSG? Like it seemed like he had chances to go. Why did he stay there? Well, there, his that was got, all true before. Yeah, his head. Well, I mean, if we remember the contract he signed two years ago, it was this monster deal that was going to insert him as one of its uh, PSG's almost director of football on the field. He was going to have this much influence. We were told. Uh, and it was, you know, I suppose maybe that was enticing to him and think maybe the landscape was a bit different. PSG were a little bit, looked like they were close to maybe making the breakthrough in European competition. They'd gotten to a final. Um, doesn't feel like that right now. The landscape's changed with Neymar going, Messi going. That kind of whole project seems to be breaking up a bit. And well, Neymar sure... hasn't gone anywhere yet. No, he hasn't, but I mean... He's still he's still recovering from his ankle injury. I yeah, mean, he'll be back that, soon enough. But he, he's he's working until he's himself. out for the next one. You know, I yeah. mean, th- that's probably it's been history repeating for the last few years. There, look, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. But... So what's your so to me right now the choices are I'm not even ruling Saudi Arabia Al Halal. That's not even an option to me. I think the choices are one of three things happens here with this guy. Uh, he either Real Madrid finally does come in, Mbappe finally says it out loud what we all know, and that is he wants to be there. And Real Madrid come in and they make some kind of offer and and the deal gets done. That's option A. Option B, PSG follow through with their word. Mbappe said he wants to stay there. They keep him there. They refuse to play him. Or option C, in this game of chicken, PSG blink. He stays at PSG for this season. They play him. He plays out his contract, winds up at Real Madrid a year from now. Which one do you think is the most likely to happen? Option C. He stays at PSG and plays out the season, and yes. then leaves for for they free blink. at the end. They blink. You know the way we I, I think it's players. either options. You know the way we talked about players that are bigger than the club. He's uh-huh. bigger than Paris Saint Germain. Yeah, I think option A or C. I don't see B as a realistic option where a player like Mbappe in his prime actually misses a season out of some kind of petty disagreement with the club. Well, not petty. I mean, it's a significant disagreement. Hey, I what think... if he ends up on a bus in Birmingham, Alabama, and he's going to play some kind of a, some kind of a minor league game? Didn't that happen to a very famous player once? Maybe he switches sports completely. Yeah, I mean, but that was volu- that was voluntary. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess that was a choice made. 
Um, yeah, I, my my hunch is that he winds up on Real Madrid somehow this season. That's my feeling. That's where he wants to be. He If he's motivated to be there and PSG are motivated to sell, I think at some point that'll happen. I think Real Madrid will wait to the last moment so they have PSG kind of in a corner where they're desperate, so the price comes down. I think it could be a, a an eleventh hour transfer. That's my prediction. We'll see. Who knows? Okay. A um, couple other transfer issues of note uh, that I just wanted to quickly mention: Manchester City. We thought that Guardiola was going to happen. Now RB Leipzig are kind of pushing back. Um, hasn't happened yet. Man City still want him. I guess they're contemplating whether or not they want to keep upping their their offers for him. Um, I believe I read that he has a um, uh, that he can be bought out what is it for 112 million at the end of next season? Uh, so RB Leipzig might just choose to wait for that. Um, I'd have, I'll have to double check that, but it's uh it's not a done deal yet. Man city still, uh, still figuring things out. And it seems like if it does happen, JJ, we were wondering who might go. It seems like Amrick Laporte is, is the one who could be uh odd man out. Can't imagine they keep all of their center backs, but we'll have to wait and see. So we'll keep, keep monitoring this one to see if it actually goes down. Um, Bayern Munich continue their push for Harry Kane, uh, PSG. It sounded like we're also coming in for Kane. There was even talk of uh, maybe Tottenham trying to work out some kind of swap, uh, where money would also be involved, but Kane and Mbappe, Mbappe's not playing for Spurs. It's just, not, no, just not a thing. But with all this, I, I did want to mention, cause I saw a couple tweets of people, um, who were curious what my thoughts would be on, uh, Joe Lewis of Tottenham. Uh, it's his family trust that owns the club. It's funny because I do wonder sometimes how many uh, Daniel Levy is thought to, he's like the, the face of Tottenham's board. I think everyone, there's a segment of people out there who think he owns the club. He doesn't own the club. He's been tasked with the assignment of running them. And I think he does have stake in the club, but it's Enoch, the company, uh, which of which Joe Lewis was the board, the head, the head yes. of, um, he has been charged by the Southern district, of Manhattan or of that's New York, the worst district to get charged by with insider training, uh, trading JJ. Um, I've read some of it. I didn't read the entire indictment, um, yeah. but I did see Michael Callie kind of, he sent out a few of the highlights, I guess you could call it. <laughs> and like, I, you know, I saw some tweets of, of people saying, Oh, I can't wait to see what a gunling has to say about this. What exactly did people think I'm going to say here? Like, I, I think I'm, you know, yeah. Am I biased at times about Tottenham? I probably am. I think we all have certain biases. I think about, you're fairly. Fa- no, the, I don't. I don't think you are. Well, whatever. I'm just. A, I'm saying it to appease the people right now who believe that I am because okay. I don't want to fight about it. <laughs> um, but like, let's let's pretend that I was that I was a biased guy about Spurs. Do you think I care about Joe Lewis? No, like, I, I root for the players on the field. I root for the manager to succeed. Do you think that I have like strong feelings? And emotions and a, and a passion for the the multi billionaire owner of the club who no one sees ever who lives in the Bahamas who's been to like a couple Tottenham games in the last two decades since he bought the team like do you think that are people think that I'm broken up over this like I'll see what it does in terms of the, the impact on the club but right now it looks like the impact will be zero because he's not the owner anymore he divested his shares or whatever he's not. For, for over a year now, or roughly a year now, he hasn't been the owner of Tottenham. Uh, so there's not going to be, like, the club isn't going to come under any punishment or penalty, it seems, right now for this. But even if that was the case, like, yeah, that would bother me. But, like, 
he sounds like the worst. Like he sounds like one of these entitled rich billionaires who think that they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Like here's what's so disgusting about this. He's worth billions. So he's got, I'm reading parts of the indictment sections of the indictment, JJ with his pilot. He has private pilots that fly him around and like, instead of just paying them, you know, having a retirement fund for these guys, because he's a billionaire and could easily do that and take care of them for the rest of, of their lives and their family's lives if he wanted to. If he wanted to be a decent human being, he could do that because he's worth effing billions. Yeah. But instead, instead of doing that, he's allowing he's he's basically telling them to commit crimes by giving them insider trading stock tips. Yeah. And they can go go commit crimes and put yourself in jeopardy legally. That's how I'm that will be your payment. You want to be cl- set for life? Do commit these crimes. I'll give you insider trading tips. Go commit these crimes. Now it's on you. Like he could be a decent human being and take care of them, but this is how he's choosing to do it. That's the kind of guy he is. You yeah. think I'm broken up? You people out there really think that I'm upset. Oh, Joe Lewis, it's wrong what they're trying to do. No, if he did these things, he should go to jail. You That's know the way how Man- I feel about it. You know the way Man City fans like launch defenses of Abu Dhabi and like they'll they'll come up with stuff. Well, actually, in the Abu Dhabi Constitution, uh, women have more rights than men. You know, like imagine you tried to do that impassioned defense of Joe Lewis. Like this, oh, podcast- really? He was doing them a favor. I mean, he look was. at the million. They could have only made this, but he was opening up to a world of millions. Should they just follow? No, they're gonna. They might go to jail. Like. Yeah. Be a decent human being. You're worth billions of dollars. Pay these people normally and legally. Oh, it's disgusting. Honestly, yeah, it, it is disgusting. I um, I mean, he's, he's basically just broken the golden rules of 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 insider trading and just blabbed to friends, family, people who work for him. Just crazy stuff. When he's so incredibly rich, it's the Mister Burns thing again. It's um, oh, but it, yeah. <laughs> It's my favorite one. He goes, uh, Smithers goes, Mr. Burns, you're the richest man. Oh, no. Is it Homer? I can't remember. No, it's it's Smithers and Burns, right? Yeah. Mr. Burns, you're the richest man I know. Oh, and I traded all just for a little more. (laughs) You know, like the disease of more. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, But like Tottenham's statement was correct. This is oh boy, ex- they distanced themselves very quickly. Oh, yeah. This is uh, an external matter not pertaining to the club, basically. Right. And it's true. He, he's no longer the owner of this club. This is just a guy right now. Yeah. That's all. That's kind of how I read what they what their statement was. New York Times. New York Times knew the way to sell it, though, in the headline. They had Tottenham front and center in the headline. Yeah. I mean, that's look, what you that's, do. that's that's, but that's who what we you do. You suck in the sports fan who will definitely read it. Uh, Sky Sports. I saw this on their website today. Tottenham do not face the threat of sanctions or a forced sale over Joe Lewis's indictment for alleged insider trading, according to The Telegraph. Uh, Lewis, the report claims, gave up uh, gave up any significant control in Tottenham last year, and it has emerged that he also gave up control of Enoch, the company that owns Spurs. The Telegraph says the Premier League have confirmed that they are satisfied Lewis is not part of the ownership at Spurs and has nothing to do with the running of the club. So it seems like it will be an independent matter. Obviously, he's associated with Tottenham. It's not a good look for Tottenham that this person was running them well, or was the owner of them. Daniel Levy's been running them, but he was the owner for, you know, since 2001 when he bought from uh, Alan Sugar. Yeah. It's, you know, but it's look not, at Alan Sugar, ugly. Andrew. <laughs> look at Alan Sugar when he when he was in charge. Like, was, was it Venables? Uh, Terry Venables, former manager, ended up in, in, in some kind of uh, tribunal. Oh, I got to pick my words here in case Terry Venables is listening. But, you know, over over um, over financial irregularities, 
alleged alleged financial irregularities. Don't know how that uh, trial actually finished. I read about it ages ago, and I've completely forgotten. But like, this isn't a grand tradition of uh, of Tottenham's uh, fiduciary problems. <laughs> well, if he did these things, it's gross, and he should be punished for it. And something tells me that when the Southern District uh, files charges like these, an indictment like this. I don't think they do so willy nilly. I think they do so when they know they've got something. No, yeah. and like if it was the northeastern district of Manhattan, yeah, then you'd be like, yeah. you don't take that seriously. But no. the southern district, Oof. yeah, look out, uh, JJ Leo Messi. Let's move on to happier things. Uh, the the Messi show it rages on to rave reviews. Uh, in his first start with the team, we saw what happened in his substitute appearance. He scored a free kick in the ninety fourth minute to win a game. In his first start with Inter Miami, he recorded two goals and an assist. Those two goals came in the first 22 minutes. Uh, this was en route to a 4-0 win over Atlanta United FC. This is this is one hell of a first impression that is being made right now with this guy. And you know, similarly, JJ, to what we said earlier about when like when you're expecting something, we were talking with the Lindsey Horan thing. When you're expecting something bad to happen and it does, it makes you that much angrier. I think also the reverse is true. Like when you're when you're hoping for something good, like you're just hoping, like please, please let this work. And and when it does, when it is like actually coming to fruition the way you hoped, it makes it sometimes even that much better. And I kind of yeah. feel like that's happening a little bit right now with this. This is this has been. We all hoped it would be fun, and so far it's been, it has been, and that has made it. I think even more fun. Yes, um, I, amazingly, I was listening to Craig Carton on Fox. The Carton Show, um, an old an old foe of yours, Andrew. Would you say? I mean, I from the yeah, radio sure, wars days, I suppose. So he he wouldn't know me from you know any any other guy on the oh, street. But for what I did, know. what I for what I used to do for a living, yeah, that was how I viewed him. So sure. I, so I don't mean to do a promotion for him, but like there is a lot of tedious content in terms of like you know argumentative sports shows, but his is not that. And Messi got a mention in it. And he made the exact, uh, Carton made the exact same point you did, but that like often players that make a move, big time players that make the move, you're hoping for the best. Um, but with Messi, he's got off to a great start. There's been no betting in period. Uh, you say, you talked about the joy. Um, there was a man who, I hope he's still alive because the ratio that fell upon him for his article in the New Yorker about Messi was so bad. Um uh, Messi in Miami feels bittersweet. The greatest soccer player of all time has entered the farewell tour phase of his career by Jody Rosen. Now, I found the the article on Monday to be fair. I thought it was it was absolutely fine. Um, uh, the first paragraph ends, but the spectacle of Messi delivering a wizardly dead ball strike is one of the most familiar in sports. Yet those feats of messy magic have so often come in high-stakes games and teeming stadiums against the best competition in the world. By comparison, the scene in Fort Lauderdale was rinky-dink. This was a group-stayed match in the League's Cup, a tournament nobody really cares about, which pits MLS League Soccer's 29 clubs against teams from Mexico's Liga MX. Messi's goal sent the crowd into raptures and he milked the moment, sprinting to the sideline to hug his children and to work a receiving line of his teammates. But the celebration seemed out of proportion to the occasion. Felt silly, maybe maybe even a little sad. Now that's the part that people have like, um, absolutely seized upon. 
and enrage them. So you've got you've got the MLS guys who are now working for Apple, your Taylor Twelmans, guys like that. They started their week off basically in battle mode. Jody Rosen got them ready mm-hmm. and they picked pieces out. They picked one error out of Rosen's piece where he said that um, Luis Suarez was Chilean, not Uruguayan. Okay, fine. Um, well, that's a mistake. It is. It, it's an error. It shouldn't happen. Um, but, but like, if you read the rest of Rosen's piece, he talks about how there's still joy in what Messi does. And he talks about, you know, real things about MLS. And uh, I, I, I didn't think the article was that offensive. Like, like, does there have to be one prevailing view? And when someone writes a, a differing point of view, he's not trying to steal joy. Like, that's not possible. Those people that were there um, for the Atlanta game and those people that were there for the Cruz Azul game, those moments won't, they're not going away. That joy was there. They enjoyed it. An article in the New Yorker is not going to rain on their parade. And it's just a, a differing opinion. You're so right. It, start, it starts off. So that's how the week started off for the MLS guys who are in battle mode. So they're already got their armor on. Real quick, before you move off of that article, though, I will say what what he is doing, though, whether it's his intent or not, he's those people that are feeling joy, he's trying to invalidate it. He's trying to say that your joy is misplaced. Your joy is silly. No, he's, he's this he's isn't say, good. You're look, all you're like, all happy about a thing that isn't good. But now I, I like I didn't feel that way about the free kick at all or the celebration or any of that. But I did feel about the introduction and him standing in the rain in Fort Lauderdale thinking, well, this is the end. Like, it's okay. He just said it a different way, a bit more of an aggressive way. But I, this is the end. Like, of course it's the end. No, but it doesn't mean the end can't be enjoyable. Doesn't mean, you know. But right. anyway, so that's, the MS guys fair. are in battle battle mode. And the next thing, he runs riot against Atlanta. Now, the Atlanta defending was bad. Messi was great. Those two things exist. Those two things do exist. Mm-hmm. And as pointed out by... um John Muller in the Atlantic, in, excuse me, in the Athletic. Imagine the Atlantic were weighing in on Messi too. It would be too much for the intellectuals. Um, you know, the way MLS is set up, a lot of the teams are front-ended on, on attacking talent just the way it is because of the convoluted rules that Don Garber et al. have laid down. So you don't spend as much on defending. So the defending's not going to be that good. But Messi looked 10 years younger against Atlanta. Like the defending was so, and you know it, the defending was so poor that when he ran through, he looked like Messi of like 25, not the Messi of 35. Now, I will say this as well. Uh, the MLS guys went to war on this one too. And someone dug up a video of him scoring in Ligue 1 in France last year that was almost, or in many ways, identical to one of Messi's goals against Atlanta. And their argument was, well, you never said this about Ligue 1. I mean, anyone who's on Twitter knows Ligue 1 is re- regularly called a joke league farmers and a farmer's league. league. Yeah. So so that doesn't work either. But it's just True. people are, you know, at some point we just need to let this thing play out, watch it, enjoy it. And, and, you know, if you come to the conclusion that it's a sad end for him, that's a valid thing to say as well. You aren't thieving joy. You're off, you're proffering an opinion about a sport, about, you know, like it's been, it's been infuriating because it's so easy. These guys, like Taylor Twellman's been in the game. He's he's never played anywhere else. He played in MLS. Then he covered MLS and US men's national team for ESPN for ages. We've had him on the show. He's a perfect gent. He's so easily risen by this stuff. So like absolutely tweaked and triggered by it. Like just. He's defensive of, of very defensive that he has. But like that, to the point where. a lot no, to him. To the point where no other opinion is valid now. No one else is allowed to say, 
society and the internet has created this world where like if someone has an opposition opinion that maybe isn't as joyful about like have you ever been to a gig with a friend and you came out and uh they had that that wasn't that good and the friend thought i thought they were brilliant okay you know people experience things differently and view things differently like why sure. does it have to be? Why well, does it happen with Dunkirk on this very podcast? It did, but you did. You didn't think that the guy that told you Dunkirk wasn't that good was stealing joy. You disagreed. JJ, with... Do you remember how I reacted? I you said that's upset. it. I'll never review another thing on this podcast again. Well, I know, but that's more your dramatic flair rather than <laughs> than anything else. That's I'm your just saying you might be talking to the wrong person. Yeah, I just I I I mean I, I mean look, there's there's do... a phrase that oftentimes you you use with your kids when they do that. You say, "Don't yucky someone's yummy." And that's yeah. what people are doing here. And that, and the reason you tell your kids that is because it oftentimes comes across as mean. Like uh, on a smaller scale when you're dealing with children, you know, if a, if one kid says, I, oh, I, I, I love Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And the other kid says, oh, I hate that show. Don't yucky his yummy. He likes it. Don't make him feel bad about that. That's what's happening here on a grown up scale. Mm. We're just all, we're just more grown up now. And this is how this is what it looks like when it's grown ups dealing with soccer instead but can, of but, rescue rangers or whatever i think i think this messy thing can be absolutely fun and enjoyable also not the end that a lot of us would have wanted to script for him you know those two things can be true um i just don't see why it has to be i don't know maybe i'm so, looking for like a, a shade of gray well so here's my feeling on it um I saw because I saw another person, not quite maybe to the extent of Jody Rosen, but a Twitter account that we've cite, we've cited before on this podcast, usually for their anti bearhalter stance, but uh, at tactical manager. Oh, um, that guy, Jesus! Yeah, he's so he tweeted. Christ uh, Almighty! MLS is a league where Jesus Ferreira can easily drop twenty goals a season. No <laughs> one should be surprised with how easy it would be for Messi. MLS defending needs to improve ASAP. It used to be funny, but at this point, it's something the league has to improve with some urgency. So he got he got crushed for that by a lot of MLS defenders. A because Jesus Ferreira has never scored twenty goals in a season, which I thought was kind of funny. But his I, I still get what his point is. Um, you know, there were a lot of people attacking. MLS fans, when Messi was subbed out, they all left. Um, you know, and so I, I kind of feel about this the way Chris Whittingham, uh, who works at Apple, um, I think he's oh. really good. I like him. Hmm. Uh, he tweeted after th- there was that tweet from Tactical Manager. There were the tweets making fun of the people leaving. And Chris Whittingham said, would really encourage Inter Miami and MLS fans to not get that bothered about the internet criticisms about fans leaving early or quality of play. So much joy in watching Messi slash Miami. Have the fun that this signing was meant to bring. That's kind of where I'm at with this. Like Hashtag I, Apple month-long free subscription. Well, I mean, sure, but like, I'm not going to... This is This is proving to be a lot of fun. Watching Messi do this in this country... Like it's, it's surreal kind of like watching him take the captain's armband off and hand it to DeAndre Yedlin. I was just like, where am I? What is this real? Like I'm actually having a lot of fun with this and seeing him, seeing him play this well here. So I am not going to get bothered by a lot of the hate. The haters are going to be there for anything. The only thing I will say is the thing that's unfortunate is that MLS just finds itself in this place where they're going to be mocked. Like they're, MLS can't win when Messi comes over here and scores a lot of goals and plays brilliantly. It's because MLS defending is a joke. If Messi came over here and he was crap, 
Like if it was like a Steven Gerrard situation, like if Messi was doing that right now and wasn't playing well, it would be, it wouldn't be because, oh, no one would be saying, I guess MLS defending is better than we thought. That would never be the answer. It would be, uh, he's just collecting a paycheck, doesn't care, not going to work hard. Yeah. That would be the reason. Like no one is going to give MLS credit in any scenario. So at a certain point, you kind of almost just have to accept that and say, to hell with all those opinions. Like, if I'm having fun and, and enjoying this, then that's what matters. And you have to block out the noise. And I think that's, you know, yeah, yes. Does MLS defending need to improve? Uh-huh. Uh, am I supposed to, is this like a revelation? Like, am I supposed to be like, is that supposed to be an offensive comment? We all know that. We all know that like defending in this league isn't what it is when Messi was playing in La Liga and doing this 10 years ago to La Liga defenses. We all know that. The, the, like, yeah, we. I know that. I know that. I, yes, it's Lionel Messi, the greatest player in history, and he's playing really well in a league where defense isn't great. Like, sure. Okay. But like, I'm not going to let that invalidate the joy that I feel in watching what he's doing in this league. Do you think, remember that that great clip of George Best for, who's he playing for, Fort Lauderdale or for LA Aztecs or one of those, where he beats, it's like this Latin goal for Ajax, where he beats eight or nine players twice in the box and then scores a goal. Do you think the guys in the flares and the flowery shirts in the 70s watching that in the stands, drinking their beer, getting to watch George Best, do you think they were having an existential crisis about the standard of defending in the NASL? I don't think so. Don't think so. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to invalidate the opinions of the people who are saying these things. Jody Rosen, tactical manager, whoever, you're not necessarily wrong, but I'm still going to enjoy it. I, I think we can all probably agree on. That. I like the debate. I don't think there's like one definitive way to look at it. I think, I think both. I think you can, ha- you can have mixed opinions. You can have a nuanced opinion, which has a little bit from each camp. I, d- I just don't think it has to be this kind of one way or the other scenario by the way last thing on this uh the other part of this because like i've said messi is bigger than inter miami he's bigger than this entire league so you kind of just like forget that there's a team that there's like this is a a team game and like they're trying to actually achieve a goal the goal here is not for messi to come over here and be awesome it's actually for technically it's for inter miami to win games and be good a week ago jj they were one of the two or three worst teams in mls We've now seen them in two games with Messi and Busquets, with Jordi Alba soon to follow. In a span of a week, what are they now? Um, off because it was League's Cup. Mm-hmm. Atlanta are bad at the back. Well, that is like, that is actually one of the points that Taylor Twelman uh, saw he made is like people are criticizing MLS defending, and it's like Atlanta just well, no, bad. it's Atlanta defending. They gave up four goals against New York Red Bulls. Yeah, like they're they're a bad defensive team. It's not necessarily an indictment on the entire. I league. I still fall down, and I'm, we need to see more. But I'd still fall down on the side of what Jonathan Wilson said, where he thinks like Miami, Miami could be great to watch. Manny, Manny cameos and brilliant moments but they'll probably lose a lot of games too so um yeah i don't know we'll see i'm uh, as a union fan i'm in uh uh-oh mode with this if they find a way into the playoffs which i think is possible by the way busquets look good too he did he set up he set up messy with that long ball over the top um and I imagine Jordi Alba will probably come over here and look good as well. Now, Luis Suarez, it sounds like, will not be joining. But um, I think if they find their way into the playoffs, I'll just say now, 
I don't want to. I don't want to be the team that faces them. <laughs> I just I fair don't enough. Know. I yeah. think that's fair. I think that's fair. <laughs> um, let's see. Before we uh, wrap it up, JJ, I just want to mention to everybody, in case you forgot, by the way, some people might have, that support for Caught Offside is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. So join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off. And free worldwide shipping with the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com. Travel bag. We've, we've, I mean, we've been over chapter and verse how impressed we are with this product. Um, it's It does the job as well or, or really better than anything out there on the market. We've, we've used it. We are speaking from our own experience, not just from a, a read that's placed in front of us. Um, it is, it's the real deal, folks. So if this is... If if a little below the waist grooming is your thing, then this is a hundred percent the product for you. Um, get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code caught offside at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code caught offside. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Uh let's see. Finally, JJ, just want to mention a couple quick things. Wrexham beat Manchester United. How about that? That's not a sentence you might have thought you'd be hearing few years ago but now in a world of Wrexham anything is possible especially when they're playing at home in the US um <laughs> but their 3-1 win was was only part of the story as Paul Mullen the star for Wrexham Super was, Paul Mullen yeah was forced to leave with a punctured lung after a violent collision with Manchester United goalkeeper Nathan Bishop um Wrexham were furious after the match about this um their manager was very outspoken to the point where Manchester United are now actually angry with Wrexham for their reaction. Um, I'll cede the floor to you because this collision between Nathan Bishop and Paul Mullen has kind of been a long-standing issue for you. Yeah, I, I just think goalkeepers... Now, this isn't actually... You haven't watched only a clip. I didn't watch the game. Um, only clips and stuff on the internet. It's not the worst example I've seen. I've seen much worse with the knees, the goalkeeper running, effectively making himself a missile with his knees tucked up um, and flying into a player with his feet off the ground. It's not it's not quite that bad, but it is bad. And the, the point you made, actually, was that, you know, in the rules, you're supposed to be in control of yourself. You're not supposed to be reckless. And I think a lot of the time these goalkeepers are coming out now, a punctured lung. It's just it's a, it's a crazy injury to get in a soccer game. Um. Yeah, he's caught him. And um, Mullins, you see, the problem with the the attackers always focused on the ball. It seems, and the and the goalkeeper gets to see ball and everything. And often the attackers' um, midriff and their uh, in this case their rib cage is is open and 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 they're exposed. Their arms aren't down. They're they get smashed. And and goalkeepers have been getting away with it for a long, long time. For for you know they're a protected species. I understand that we don't want to go back to the 1950s where they were literally being shoved into the net for goals. I understand that, uh, but like it's bad. It's 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 again. I I do. He obviously didn't. In, there was no intention to hurt anyone. But like you said, what's does that really matter? Not I mean, really. it, it matters on a human level. Yeah, like that's good. I'm glad that you didn't intend to hurt someone. But on a soccer level, I don't care. Like, 
that's not like I hear that all the time when when there are bad incidents in soccer in the NFL. Like, well, he didn't mean to do it. As if like I don't know, should that be part of the adjudication? Maybe if we're talking about suspensions or anything like that. But in terms of like if that makes it okay somehow that he didn't mean to, like that's not that's not good enough. Like you no. anyone who saw this was pure recklessness. This is a guy who was running out of his box at full speed with no regard for whatever was in front of him. He was going to clean out whatever player was there yeah. just to make sure that there was no goal. Whether his I, intent you, was to hurt someone or not, I it certainly was not. Everything you hear about Nathan Bishop is that he's a, a real stand-up guy and a good guy, and he apologized straight away for this incident. I'm sure he feels bad about it, but I, I look like, at, that doesn't make it okay to just like act like an animal on the field. No, I agree. And, Especially um, in, a, in a preseason friendly, yeah, too. Yeah, I, and I would say as well that... Um, it's probably a young goalkeeper trying to make an impression in a preseason friendly too, which it changes the the dynamic a bit. If it happened in the middle of the field between two outfield players, the player that flew into into the challenge like that, goodbye, goodbye. So it can't, it shouldn't be any different for goalkeepers. And I don't know, um, we just see it all the time now. And um, in the crash bang wallop world of the Premier League, it's um, it's been allowed because of the dictat to the referees. Yeah, this is one that they might have to start cracking down on. I think, yeah, I think and, so. I, and I wonder if this could be a catalyst to that because it's, it's, I mean, a guy just suffered a punctured lung. Like it's a, it's, it's a gruesome injury for um for a soccer game. Let's be let's be blunt about it. Yeah. Uh, finally, JJ, um, just wanted to close out, let you vent on uh, Ireland as they went out of the Women's <sighs> World Cup, uh, losing two one to Canada after going up one nil in the fourth minute on an Olympico in a Katie World Mc- Cup. Katie McCabe. She just catches it perfectly. There's a little bit of breeze going into that goal and she whips it into the far top corner beyond the goalkeeper. No touch whatsoever. Right into the top corner. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and she was brilliant. She was, pl- I think she was player of the game on the losing team, which kind of just tells you how good she is. She was magnificent. An absolute hero. The first half was very, very good. But... To allow Canada to equalize, I thought Canada were very good in the second half, and Ireland ran out of steam. And and exactly the things I said that I thought would hamstring Ireland in this tournament did hamstring the, the for your all your Denise O'Sullivan's and your um and your you know your Katie McCabe's. There is not the spread of talent around the side. Center four was a big problem. I think Caruso did better holding the ball up than she did in the first game, but but even still. Um, she missed a massive opportunity in the second half under the crossbar. Um, like she, she's got to connect with that and score. Um, simple as that. So like, there's a lot to take from that Ireland performance, the way like Canada or the Olympic champions, the way Ireland held them in the first half, didn't just hold them. We're the better side in the first half. I felt that was brilliant stuff, but Canada had, you know, a lot of experience off the bench. Someone said that 600 caps came off the bench for them. Wow. Like that is staggering. Ireland don't have that and Ireland don't have the spread of talent around the team. And when you get to this level, uh, just like we said with the US women, you know, depth matters. And even within the starting 11, uh, Ireland just didn't have it. But hopefully go into the Nigeria game, have good performance, hopefully get a win, a few more goals. That'd be amazing. Not taking anything for granted, but like Ireland have not been bad across their two games whatsoever. And, um, I think I think they ran out of steam a bit, Andrew. Just 
just struggling, just struggled to to keep up the momentum of that first half. Yeah, they've they've conceded some tough ones. I mean, a penalty in the first game. Yeah, that was uh, rough. an own goal to equalize to allow Canada to equalize in this game. Yeah. Um. So good learning experience for them. Good for them to get the experience. I would say of this tournament. Um, I'm sure they learned some lessons. You know, it's something to build on. Hopefully for them. I think there's brighter there's there's brighter times to come. I definitely yeah. feel that way. Um, and I don't think this won't be their last World Cup. But it's just it's disappointing because it would have been great to take it to the last group game. You know, if we got a draw there, it would have been, um, you know, to beat Nigeria to qualify for the for the knockout phase. That would have been a nice scenario. The fact it's over at the earliest possible time that it can be is disappointing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've seen it's been an interesting tournament for a, a lot of like Canada is a very good team that that struggled a little bit here. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen England, who are one of the favorites. We saw them struggle for a win. We've seen the U.S. not quite look like themselves. So who knows? I mean, right now, you know, Germany came out with a 6-0 win over Morocco. Um, so they looked impressive. Brazil, 4-0 against Panama. So, you know, a couple teams have stood out a little bit. But right now, I think a lot of teams are still kind of finding their footing. Look, Norway was supposed to be a good team at this tournament. They haven't won yet through two games. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, no, it's been it has been an interesting tournament. But even look at England and Haiti. Like, look right. Look at how difficult that uh, uh, that game was. Now, England had a lot of chances, but so Haiti played some brilliant football. Absolutely brilliant football. It's interesting. Um, uh, Melchi uh, Dumourne, the midfielder for Haiti, playing one of the, like there was a, a supercut of her performance against England on Twitter. Andrew, she'd walk into any of the top sides. I, I mean that. Her range of passing, her ability to dribble, her her athleticism everything unbelievable and i'd never heard of her before the tournament yeah. obviously <laughs> and um and funnily i would say like right now in my if i was to pick a team that of the tournament of the teams i played so uh, i've seen so far like you'd have uh demorne in the side i'd have katie mccabe in the side like brilliant performances so it's not it's it's not been a blowout tournament by any means. No, yeah, but it's early. And I think you see this a lot of times, teams that grow into tournaments as they progress. So we'll see. A lot, okay. Still a lot of more action, a lot more action still to go in uh, in this World Cup. And of course, after these U.S. games, we'll continue to, to be with you uh, and react to them. Uh, JJ, I don't have uh, I don't have much else. You? No, I don't. It's it's late and uh, yeah, it is. we should go. Yeah. Yeah, it is late. All right. Well, hey, get some rest. All right. We'll we'll regroup. We'll talk tomorrow about everything going on in, in the world of soccer, which we which we hold so dear and love so much. Thank you all for listening. Please rate and review. That is super helpful to the to this podcast, to the visibility of the podcast, and to our egos to see those five stars. It's massive. Uh, it's the validation I crave. A guy last year gave us five stars, and just his comment was, "JJ is a sound fella." And that's all I needed. I, I, I screenshotted it. And when I'm feeling down, I look at it. Doesn't, doesn't do a whole lot for me, but sure. Sure. That's that's very nice, I suppose. Uh, hey, that's all I got, JJ. To you, I say... Check it out, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.